Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 107, and it is with Michael Sugarman. He is a Vedic astrologer, and I met him because he's the father of a friend of mine, and he did my chart, and I was so enthralled. I'd never even heard of Vedic astrology before. I'd heard of the, the Vedas, and you know, I of course know about a lot of the Hindu gods and that sort of thing, but um, I did not realize there was this whole other charting system of astrology with the Vedics. So I thought, why not get it done, which I did, and it was so interesting and spot on and um, and, and, a, and a lot of insight in the reading that, that Michael gave me. I thought, oh, I'll have him on the show so other people may not have heard of Vedic astrology can learn about it. So here we are. Um, he was very kind enough to offer $15 off if anybody that listens to Hey Human wants to get a Vedic astrology chart read, he will do that. So $15 off if you mention Hey Human. So that's pretty cool. Um, you can find him on his website. And again, of course, as always, there are links at heyhumanpodcast.com, which will take you right to him. But um, if you want to just hear the website, here it is. M as in Mary, A as in Apple, S as in Sam. J as in John, Y as in yogurt, O as in octopus, T as in Timothy, I as in India, S as in sailor, H as in helicopter. <laughs> so M-A-S-J-Y-O-T-I-S-H dot com for the website. <clears throat> Again, you can reference Hey Human. You can also email him M-A-S-J-Y-O-T-I-S-H at gmail.com. And as I said, there'll be links on the links page. Um, social media, Hey Human Podcast, you can find me there. You can email me, Susan at HeyHumanPodcast.com. Uh, if you shop Amazon and you'd like to support Hey Human, you can go to HeyHumanPodcast.com and at the top of the page is the Amazon portal. Click on that and shop on Amazon like you normally would and it helps support Hey Human. Uh, rate and review and especially subscribe to Hey Human. Uh, on iTunes or through your podcast apps on your phone or however, whatever device you may have. And keep spreading the word. I really appreciate it. Um, it's growing, growing, growing. It's so exciting. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's, that's about all I have for businessy things. I feel like there was a sort of a corrections corner stealing from my favorite murder. They call it corrections corner. That's a podcast I love, by the way, which I've mentioned before. But um there was something that I was going to bring up. Oh, I know what it was. The cookie. I talked about, um, I interviewed uh, Benjamin slash um, Griffin. He, I said he made me these cookies and that normally I don't like these kind of cookies. And I called them uh, macaroons. And today I found out that there's actually different kinds of, a macaroon is the, um, what do you call it? The one with the, with the coconut, which I love. Um, and then there's this other kind of cookie that I don't actually like very much, and they're called uh, macaron. I guess it's different. So, or a mac, I don't know if I'm saying it right, macaron, but those are those little round cookies that I don't much like, although he made me some and they were delicious. And then macaroons are the ones that look like stacks of coconut covered in chocolate, which I adore. So. I learned something new. Those are two different names for two different kinds of cookies. I always thought the little round ones was just a weird version of the kind that I like. But I stand corrected. Anyway, a little bit of information that you may or may not care about. <laughs> there you go. Let's do this. Hi, Michael Sugarman. How are you? Uh, very well. Thanks, Susan. Nice to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing really great. Uh, thanks for being on Hey Human. I'm excited that, uh, that you're going to be on today. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the invitation. So I learned of you through your daughter, Cora Sugarman, who has also been on Hey Human uh, a couple episodes back. Uh, although I don't know if you want to listen to that one because it's all about dating. <laughs> and a dad probably doesn't want to hear that stuff. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but anyway. Um, too much information yeah, already. Way too much information. But um, So you are a, a Vedic astrologer, and I had never ever heard of that before and uh you were kind enough to give me a reading it was super fascinating and i would say 
really, really accurate. Um, so I'd love to talk to you just about all that, how you got involved in it, why that versus any other kind of what one might consider, uh, you know, metaphysical or, you know, I, I think people call it that, but I don't, I personally don't think of it in that term, but I think a lot of people do. Um, and so, yeah, let's just start at the beginning. Well, I guess to begin, I would say that for some reason that is still a little bit mysterious, the very first time when I was, I think, either in high school or first year of college, the very first time somebody came up to me and said, what's your sign? Uh, I got caught, I got fascinated by the concepts of astrology and had some inner sense that there was some truth to it, that there was some level of truth deeper than the superficial uh, level of things. So uh, it just kind of sparked a, a lifelong interest. And then I would say about 20 years ago, uh, when I was getting more serious in the context of having kids, raising a family, having a career, but getting more serious, more curious about astrology, uh, I decided to pursue astrology, but not Western astrology, more uh, Vedic astrology, which is astrology that comes basically out of India with some, they say, historical Arabic influences, but basically it is Indian astrology, which is what uh, I practice. And it is called Jyotish, the word is J-Y-O-T-I-S-H, the word is Jyotish, and that means light in Sanskrit. So it is said that astrology, or Jyotish, is the light of the Vedas, the vision, the eyes mm. of the Vedas. The Vedas are the oldest record of human experience, first cognized in India thousands of years ago, um, hundreds of years before they were ever written down. It, it was an oral tradition. Is that like the uh, the Akashic or Akashic records? I guess there's some similarity, yes. Um, the, the, the whole concept that is so fascinating is the concept of cognition as opposed to, let's say, composition. Cognition is just the the way that certain kinds of knowledge, and I think Akashic records could be categorized kind of the same way, but cognition is the way that that knowledge, certain kinds of, let's say, immortal knowledge basically just come through people and that knowledge gets to be uh, cognized, realized very spontaneously. And that is what the Vedas are said to be, the knowledge. As long as there are human beings, there will be uh, the, the knowledge of the Vedas will uh, find someone to sort of express themselves through that person or those people. Mm. These people are known as seers or rishis, and this is how Vedic astrology came to be, which is just that this knowledge of how the stars and planets interact with our lives and in some ways can be used to understand our lives better, to predict events in our lives. That knowledge um, has been let's say, on Earth as long as there have been human beings and uh, available to us in that way. Why do you think it is that it was that there was a difference, the Western astrology came in? Why do you think that we didn't keep this more ancient tradition? Well, I mean, that's probably just more, um, more has to do with the experience of, of different cultures and cultural ways of looking at the the whole system of astrology if i understand your question there there is a there is a difference in the two systems and mm -hmm. maybe we should just address that western astrology does not employ something uh called precession of the equinoxes which is the mathematical uh process of accounting for the wobble of the earth on its axis mm. the last year that that the two systems were in sync was around 285 a.d as i understand it 
uh, and this is just entirely coincidental. But it did happen that year. In other words, the first day of spring would be the first day of the sign of Aries. In other words, on the first day of spring, at the moment of the vernal equinox, the sun enters Aries. Now, Western astrology still looks at it that way. Vedic astrology, Eastern astrology, understands that because of this very slight wobble of the Earth on its axis that tends to ever so slightly slow down the rotation of the Earth, that the, the sidereal zodiac, which is employed by Vedic astrology, accounts for this precession and therefore says because of this slight slowdown every year, every century, we, on the first day of spring, we are no longer, the sun is no longer entering the sign of Aries. It is still actually in the sign of Pisces. So the one thing that can be said about Vedic astrology or any sidereal-based astrology system is that it is more astronomically accurate than Western astrology. Oh, interesting. Any astronomer, any good astronomer will tell you nowadays that on the first day of spring, which we're approaching around March 20th, March 21st, somewhere in there, any astronomer will tell you that if you look directly at the sun with an instrument to calculate its exact position according to the, um, <clears throat> you know, the sign of the zodiac that sits directly behind it, that sun is still in Pisces. And in fact, is only about seven or eight degrees of Pisces uh, on that first day of spring. So interesting. So when I do readings, people are sometimes a little bit surprised to hear that the sun, they think, oh, you know, I have the sun in Aries or... Um, and therefore my sign is Aries, and then I tell them, well, the sun actually, when you're born, was still in the sign of Pisces. And sometimes, often people are able to say, yeah, you know, I have felt more like a Pisces than an Aries. <laughs> but you'll sometimes get that response. Well, when uh, you did mine, I, I'm a Taurus, but I'm a Cuspian, so I'm with the Aries cusp, and uh, you told me that I was actually an Aries. I was like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that w yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, we always have to account for this 23-degree difference between the two zodiacs. And uh, I would say in pretty much every reading that I give, even though there is this discrepancy, uh, people are very quick to identify with the qualities of the astronomical, the true placement of their sun, uh, because we use some other defining characteristics, but they are able to identify with what I tell them about that placement, and then the reading kind of proceeds from there. So I rarely have I run into somebody who really wants to, uh, well, let's say make an issue of it or uh, question the validity of what we're, um, what we're seeing, what we're proposing. Well, do you feel that sometimes people hear, "Oh, you're you're this, this, and this," and then they think, "Oh, I am that," even if they're not. They, they you know what I mean? There was that test in the '70s where that professor handed out. Uh, they asked everybody their sign, and then they handed out the piece of paper, and that was supposed to be their sign. And and on the paper, it said, "You know, you're this, that, and the other." And the students all said, "Yes, yes, this is exactly dead on." And then it turned out that every piece of paper said the exact same thing. Oh, is that? <laughs> yeah. And that we, yeah, that's, that's we seek that validation. But what I found really interesting about when you gave me the reading is, and I think that a lot of, you read your daily horoscope in the paper or something, and it's usually pretty general and whatever. But what you do is so much more in depth. You, we're talking where you're born, time of birth, you know, so you're looking at the inner workings of the universe and the planetary alignments and things. It's not just your boss will be nice to you today. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the, the system, this system of astrology, uh, keep in mind, you know, it comes out of the East. It comes out of India. And I tend to have a very practical approach when it comes to astrology. I mean, sure, everybody wants to hear, oh, today will be a good day because you'll find a $10 bill on the sidewalk and there will be some 
you know, slight wealth coming to you, and it's your lucky day. I, my approach to astrology and what I think helps line up with the needs of my clients is people want practical knowledge to come from it. They want to know, is this a good time to, <clears throat> excuse me, to get married? Is this a good time to buy a house? Should I be, you know, uh, thinking about switching careers? Am I in the right career? Uh, can I trust this other person who uh, I may be having business dealings with? I mean, all these kinds of questions. Uh, you know, what about my health? Uh, uh, you know, here's the, not long ago I, I spoke to somebody who was, you know, concerned about um, a, a paralysis in the body. She had uh, paralysis uh, uh, that was beginning to manifest in, in certain parts of her body, you know, certain one side of her body. And I, she asked me, what do you think about this? And I looked at the chart and I thought about it for a little while. And I said, I honestly think this is a pinched nerve uh, at some area of the neck. And I don't think it's going to be a big problem. So she had an MRI a few weeks later. And sure enough, there's no MS or Parkinson's or anything like that. It was just a pinched nerve. Mm. So... Astrology can be used, uh, obviously, in all kinds of ways, but I never like to neglect the practical side of things where people are just facing life events, life experiences, life trends, wanting to get answers to specific questions. And mm-hmm. and in that way, I think, it, 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 well, that's one of the ways that astrology has a great deal of value because we all know there are certain times that are better for certain things and then other times when our efforts in certain areas seem to be obstructed or seem to to lead to nothing but frustration. Yeah, those are all the songwriters. (laughs) (laughs) All the people in the music business, that's their chart, I'm sure. Well, it is an interesting... Well, yeah, you mean that that they they can write a great song, but, but... Go years without selling it, that kind of thing. Right. They, it's, it always leads to frustration. Um, it's interesting to me because I know just from various research on things, like in the Indian culture, they're very precise. You know, oh, you can't marry somebody that have these kind of numbers or, you know, or yeah. you can't marry on this date. Same with the the Chinese. They're very, it's very auspicious to be in these certain time frames. And, and to an extent... You know, I think a lot of people, um, in a way, there are a lot of people that kind of poo-poo it or whatever, but I think, well, the farmer's almanac, which is a tried-and-true thing for a lot of people, it, it uses the same ideas, in, you know, it, only it uses weather and, and where the planet is and the sun and the moon and stuff like that, but it's kind of that same thing, it feels like. Yeah, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah, there. I mean, there is, I think, a very deep, a very instinctive, primordial need for people to feel some connection to the planets and to the stars. Mm-hmm. And to get, you know, a little more deeply into it, I mean, it's a fascinating thing, but it turns out, and I, I say this on my website, that the inner universe is just as big as the outer Mm. and that by some miracle we any of us that with a human nervous system has been given um a kind of a structure an internal structure that mirrors the uh the planets and their energies Mm. Uh, this is i think one one way to understand this a little bit better is in the yoga sutras of patanjali (laughs) where there are specific sutras specific little verses that are given as far as, and and how to practice these sutras and directly apply them is a little bit, well, controversial or in question, but there's, but there's no doubt that there there is an internal experience, and this is how cognition of astrology occurs, there is an internal experience that, let's say, puts the planets a lot closer to us than... Than, than thousands of miles away. Well, and many or, many of physicists say we are made of that stuff. We are the, yeah, bil- right. the billions of uh, stars. Yes, that, that's exactly right. And so, so if, if we're made up yeah. of the same thing, w- of course it makes sense that as they move through their existence, we would be in turn mirroring whatever's going on with, 
with them, with the planets and exactly. the stars. Yes, that that's exactly right. It makes so perfect sense to me. <laughs> very, you know, instinctive, like I say, primordial connection that we feel to the planets. And it's not just the moon and the effects on the tides or, you know, the cycles of women. It, it, it's it's an awful lot more than that. Hmm. You know, I it's a lot of times when I get insomnia, bad insomnia, um, if I have a ride or something, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it to other people around me and say, hey, did anybody happen to have insomnia last night? And without fail, everyone in the room, yes, yes, totally. I was up till five. Oh, I was up till five. Oh, that's so weird. I was up to it. And it's, it's, everybody has the same experience. It's very fascinating to me, this cluster of things. And here's a weird thing. And you know, on Facebook, they have the on this day. And it, I don't know if you are on Facebook, but uh, it goes through, whatever day it is, it goes through the last however many years you've been on Facebook and tells you some little blip of on this day, you said this, and it shows you your post. Uh, And uh, this is what's really strange. I had two different things that did happen that I thought was really interesting. It was the night of of getting up after a severe bout of insomnia, and I had it on this day, and it said, and it was from maybe six or seven years prior, worst insomnia ever, blah, blah, blah. And another time... I had this very intense dream that my father died, like so intense, and it unnerved me to no end. I woke up very distraught and sad, and uh, and he's two hours behind me in Seattle, of course, so I had to wait to call because I can't wake him up to say, are you alive? Yeah. But um, what was so strange is on that day, um, on the Facebook, it was a post about how the night before I dreamt that my father was killed and that I was so distraught, and that had happened years ago on the exact same day. Stuff like oh, that. Yeah, I was like, hmm, did did he die on this day in some other incarnation of me, you know, and my body's remembers? It's just such a, all this stuff I think is so, I know it makes me sound like a crazy person, but I don't know, I see patterns and things, and I know that's what your brain is supposed to do, but I find it fascinating. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is, it's, it's kind of a, a way of, let's say, peeling back the superficial layers and understanding things at a, at a deeper level. Now, I, I would say that part of what keeps me going in astrology is that according to what I've been taught, and I've studied this just constantly, let's say, well, most of my life, but especially over the last 20 years, but every reading, every new chart that I study seems to have some way of specifically verifying what has taken place in a person's life. Mm-hmm. For instance, I mean, uh, you know, I'm interested in medical astrology. I'm interested in things like addiction and accidents. I mean, lots of lots of different themes that uh, have, have made me curious. <clears throat> but I, you know, came upon, a, just in the course of studying medical astrology, I got very interested in themes of addiction and paralysis. And sure enough, um, I'm mostly able, I would say, now to look at somebody's chart and say, did your father have an addiction problem? Did your mother have this problem? Was there, you know, was there uh, some kind of um, paralysis uh, in certain cases in a person's life? We studied the chart of Christopher Reeves, the actor, for quite a long time. And clearly, according to what I've been taught, uh, he was at risk for a paralyzing accident, and and around the time that it took place, and uh, for a, for an event in his life that let's say transformed him. I mean, obviously, it wasn't a comfortable transformation, and it and it was not something that anyone would, would wish on themselves or anyone else. But his his chart, and and virtually every chart that I study, I would say, in other words. You look at a chart and you can tell after a while, okay, is this a musician or is this a computer technologist? Is this a doctor or a politician? And again, by the following what we've been taught, which is ancient, I mean, it goes back thousands of years, you get to the point where you can kind of see, okay, this is why this person has this career. This is why this person, let's say, has four brothers and sisters, or this person doesn't have any siblings, or this person's father left the family when they were three years old, or no, this person had a very good, positive,
positive relationship with both parents. I mean, all of these trends and all of these tendencies are taught to us before we start to examine charts. And then once we get in the process of examining the charts, then all of this truth is kind of borne out by the by the understanding of the astrology chart. Let's put it that way. Do all the cesarean sections that happen now where the doctors say, you know, this is the day you're going to give birth, uh, does, does that figure in? Well, um, I guess to a certain extent. I mean, I have been asked a few times by women to help time the... When, in other words, I want the best possible child. Right. So when would be a good time to uh, have the doctor perform the cesarean? And I sort of shy away from that. I know of the cases where the, the astrologer hasn't and has actually given a specific time and pretty much laid out what the life of this child will be like. But I, my preference is to leave it up to nature. But to answer your question, I think... Uh, I guess I would say that uh, when when that kind of a process is entered into the equation, there is still going to be a moment when the person is born, when they draw their first breath, and whether it is determined by a doctor or the doctor's convenience or the schedule of the doctor or the schedule of the mother, whether it's determined that way or it's determined more naturally there is still a moment when the person draws their first breath and Mm -hmm. that is the that then becomes the moment of birth and then that is the um that is the moment that the chart is cast for yeah either way i mean however a person comes into the world i i don't think i've ever seen a difference where there was something let's say artificial or contrived or forced as far as the the birth of the person uh, it, 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 I mean, we all come into the world one way or another, and we take our first breath at a certain time. It is interesting to me. You said, you know, you can tell if there's going to be parental addiction or issues or this, that, and the other, and that's outside force, uh, it, which, you know, the idea that if we choose who our parents are or the family that we're going to come into, then, you know, that makes sense if you want to have that kind of experience. You pick those people. Now, again, I'm speaking from my own personal belief system. Not everybody believes this sort of thing. Um, But I do believe that everything in your life is a choice of a doorway, and that is an infinite number of choices. And I play around with the idea of the multiverse that maybe when I make one particular choice, another me is making the other choice, and then it sends <laughs> yeah. off this whole... Because yeah. it's fun to think about. Um, yeah, it is fascinating. Yeah, so on these charts, like, for example, when you read my chart, um, you mentioned, oh, be careful around uh, motorized vehicles, around this time frame, and things like that. Um, yes. But now that's those are choices that I make. Okay, make sure to always buckle up. I always do. Um, make yep. sure to pay attention to other people. I always do. You know that kind of thing. How many? How much of this do you feel like? Well, that's just that's just something you're supposed to experience. And then how are you supposed to prepare for your life? And is it better just to not know sometimes and just let the, the chips fall where you may? Otherwise, we might get paranoid or you know. How do you direct it even in your own life? knowing what you know um, so that you're not scared to go outside or, you know, or there's the story of the, the, in um, the Pearl Jam song uh, about the woman who was terrified that she was going to get hit by a car. So she always stayed in her living room and watched TV. And then one night a car came through her, you know, her living room and killed her. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. 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 Yeah. I know there's, it's, it's the biggest, set of questions about fate versus free will mm-hmm. and how, how to live accordingly. I mean, one thing that Vedic astrology and all of the Vedas are really steeped in is the concept of dharma, mm. which basically is the idea of living, living out whatever your true purpose might be, but also living in accordance, living in harmony with the laws of nature. So, dharma meaning you basically treat other people as you would want to be treated by them, the golden rule, mm-hmm. living according to highest level of morals and ethics, and doing what we know is right. And then, it, within that framework, doing what...
what it is you're meant to be doing. So I would never tell a musician, oh, you need to, um, you need to go to medical school or mm-hmm. the other way around. I would never tell a person who wants to make a lot of money in sales and, you know, to, to be a person who goes off and, um, and lives in a monastery. Uh, uh, there are lots of ways of seeing in the chart what it is a person is meant to do. But to, to answer the question, the, the idea, I think, is that once we are living in Dharma, we're living in accordance with what our true purpose might be and in accordance with the laws of nature, then then I think it, there's a way of looking at that and saying, well, then we, we have the best possible chance to maybe nullify or at least... Um, avoid in some way the the kinds of catastrophe that might come along if we are not in our dharma or not in our uh, assigned purpose in life or we're not obeying the laws of nature mm. so uh, but and and i certainly i mean in casual conversations with people i always encounter people who say oh i'd rather not know and i can respect that and there is even a there's a school of thought for astrologers themselves that once you become an astrologer, you tear up your own astrology chart and and, and that of uh, family members because you can't really be neutral about it and that it's important to just sort of go through life with a sense of trust mm. uh, that, okay, the best thing will happen, the right thing will happen at any, at any assigned time. Do you <clears throat> at the same time... You want to balance that with, you know, people who ask, is this a safe time to take a trip? Mm. Um, you know, I have a persistent cough. Do you think I'll be okay or should I go to the doctor and, and really get it checked out? Uh, all kinds of questions like that that come along. Do you, so did you tear up your family members' charts? <laughs> or do you uh, look at your own? Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the, in some cases, yes, because I come from a big family, and there are certain, certainly people in the family who say, I don't want to know, and don't tell me. Mm, yeah. And then there are other family members who just are quite interested in the whole thing, and I try to approach it from, like I do any reading, I try to approach it from a positive perspective and just say, this is not a good time for this or that, or this is a favorable time for this or that kind of pursuit, or, you know, this event might take place, so it's something to watch out for. Um, I can't say that I've been vigilant about it, but I have, uh, I, I do try to ignore my own chart as much as possible mm-hmm. and not dwell on it the way that, uh, the way that a person can get caught in it. So I, I would say to a certain extent I've honored that, but I have encountered, especially uh, Indian people themselves, who very, very, are very strict about this, and I, I know other astrologers, and, uh, and if you ask them, what is your rising sign, uh, where's the moon in your chart, they say, I don't even know, and I've, I've never looked at it, and I've, I've been told to just, to, to never, mm. to never think about it, just because I want to be of service to other people, and I want to be able to trust in God and the universe and live my life that way. Ironically enough, I mean, that's kind of paradoxical, but that is the approach in some cases. Well, that's interesting you bring up God, because I think that's a, excuse me, an aspect of all of this. Do you feel that they are, that the idea of a deity is in conjunction with uh, these charts? Because I know that, for example, the Indian culture has a lot of deities, <laughs> many, many. Yes, many. <laughs> Thousands, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I would say, uh, I guess my answer to that would be, I mean, I'm basically a spiritual person, and I believe in the, in a, a sense of orderliness in the universe, although that orderliness may sometimes be something that is elusive to us. Um, but I would say that... I mean, one thing that astrology seems to do, if 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 you've got a competent astrologer, the fact that somehow um, a story or a set of patterns or a set of life events or trends or tendencies, the fact that that those stories are available to us according to 
the configuration of the planets at the time that we were born suggests that there is some higher level of intelligence in the universe. Mm -hmm. uh, it implies that as far as the way that I look at it. In other words, uh, um, a doctor's chart is going to look different from a construction worker. A salesman's chart is going to look different from a religious uh, renunciate, a, a spiritual seeker. Uh, I mean, and again, it, it seems to prove itself out with the, um, the experience of the people that I talk to. They give me a time of birth, they give me a date of birth, a place of birth. I study the chart for a while, and usually I'm able to say, okay, it looks like you're in business, or you, um, you're you mostly a spiritually oriented person, you're not interested in the, let's say, the comforts, worldly comforts, you're more spiritual in your in your set of pursuits. I mean, there, there, you start to think after a while that this is not accidental, and that there's some higher purpose or some orderliness, some creative intelligence uh, behind the whole thing. Mm. I, I don't see how you can avoid that. You know, uh, Albert Einstein was said to, he said at one point, I do not believe that God threw dice with the universe. Mm. Yes, and then Stephen Hawking, who just passed away, had a, a retort to that about uh, if God is throwing dice, he's not looking to see what numbers come up. <laughs> really fascinating because you having not known anything about me uh, were able to pinpoint certain moments from my childhood that yeah. I thought was quite interesting. I love too, you told me stories as well, which was really fun about some of the deities that how, how they interacted with my chart and I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's a fascinating aspect to all this. I mean, it, it, it is quite interesting and it, it just suggests that the mythological sources that come out of out of these ancient traditions, and it, it applies, I think, to a certain extent to um, the mythology in Western tradition as well, Greek and um, Roman mythology, where you get Western astrologers who use those stories to mm -hmm. embellish the meanings of the placements of the planets in our chart. But Vedic astrology is is filled with mythological stories of um, any number of deities or characters in these stories. And in every astrology chart, there is some connection or some representation uh, to those stories, to those myths. And it's where you will get the difference between, let's say, uh, Adolf Hitler or... Um, like the person who just died, the, the preacher who just died, you know, Billy Graham. I mean, there are ways to see in the chart these how these tendencies uh, carry out in a person's life, how they get represented and how they uh, carry through a person's life. So, yeah, um, the mythology is very important to me. It's just fascinating when you think about the fact that here are these myths that are thousands of years old that somehow have and have a bearing on the tendencies or the events uh, in a person's life in the 21st century. Uh, it, it's quite interesting. In other words, here's a simple example. There are a couple placements in the Zodiac 
that might have bird symbolism. And so it, it helps me to see in the chart if a person travels a lot by air, if they fly, if they just have a wandering disposition. And in some cases, they, they uh, pilot airplanes. Mm. Now, this this mythology was developed thousands of years ago before there was any concept of air travel, or at least not air travel in an airplane. And yet here it is having relevance to us in the 21st century. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of fascinating to see how this, uh, you know, to see how this all plays out. Do you feel that it is quite predictive? I mean, it's interesting to look at a parallel of a Billy Graham and a Adolf Hitler, and those are some pretty diverse in some ways, but yet very similar personalities in others. Really, if you dig into it, I know that will horrify some people, but I can absolutely see it. It makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the, the, really, the essence, I, I don't, I, I get some people who want to know, what should I be doing in the world? I mean, people, let's say, who have, tried different jobs or tried different educational experiences and are still kind of searching what should my career be, what should I study, <clears throat> uh, where should I live, those kinds of things. I get that some of the time, but more than that I get when am I going to you know, have a healthy, satisfying, romantic relationship? Uh, when am I going to have a boss that I get along with better than the one I have right now? When, let's say, when should I be moving from the apartment that I'm living in now? When should I be thinking about buying a house? I mean, it, it, it usually comes down to a very sort of practical level for people. Mm. Um, and yeah, there are, I mean, there are planetary placements and there are planets that, that can be more, let's say, cruel uh, as opposed to ones that can be soft and gentle and generous. For example? And, well, I mean, Hitler's chart is an example of, obviously, of extreme cruelty. Um, And then you have a chart like Mother Teresa, Mm -hmm. where there's going to be nothing but service and generosity and, uh, you know, a sense of um, fighting for the underprivileged. Mm -hmm. I mean... You can get both extremes, and it's not hard once you've been trained to see why one chart could give one result and another chart could give a totally different result. It's interesting to think about as you, for example, look at a a Hitler chart, um, and you, being a normal, non-sociopathic person, (laughs) not a megalomaniac and all those other things, looks at this chart and thinks, oh my God. But in Hitler's mind, he was righteous. Right. So how does how do things like that adjust? Is it is it more specific in that? No, definitely a crazy person who thinks he's got a purpose that is righteous. Or is it just do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, uh, you know, uh, I mean, who knows what the karma really is behind all this that um a person like Hitler was allowed to be in the world and yeah. uh, have the influence that he had. But the chart certainly shows cruelty, uh, some level of, uh, I mean, lots of hatred, lots of uh, mm-hmm. delusion, but also, it, uh, highly unfortunately, the chart also shows that he had the power and the means to manifest his beliefs and have this influence over millions and millions of people mm. that that's a, a, another deciding um, another deciding factor I mean you could have the greatest genius who let's say has the ability or the knowledge to cure cancer or have some other scientific breakthrough but does that same chart, the chart of the genius, is that person going to be able to make connections? Are they going to be able to make it through medical school and then get a decent job in, let's say, research laboratory and have the support mm-hmm. and the um, and the help that would help that person manifest and actually have an influence in the world? Or would they be somebody who just, you know, 
sits in their room by themselves and scribbles all these formulas, and maybe they're correct, and maybe they have this potential to cure serious diseases, but they never, in their life, they never manifest that, the, the utilization, the support, the means to go out and, and actually, um, you know, have the influence in the world that uh, we would like to see them have. So Hitler's chart is this combination, very unfortunate combination of of somebody who's obviously full of hatred and derangement, but also um, also able to have this powerful influence and be elevated to a high level of authority in the world. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the kind of the unfortunate combination, but it is certainly there on the chart. So when you are looking, I know that, you know, you can look at your own chart and how you, you know, go through the world, but when you're, can you look at the world as a whole being and that you can tell things like who gets elected or, you know, natural disaster or anything like that? Is that all part of it too? Or is it more personal to human being specific? Um, I, you know, there is this whole realm of what is called mundane astrology where people are able to look at world events and the places where event, things like earthquakes and floods and that sort of thing. I mean, you do get uh, you do get people who are quite interested in that. It's not something that I have really had time to pursue or had the interest in pursuing. Mm. I mean, because I'm so much more interested in what goes on in people's individual lives. Yeah. And in families, too, for, uh, certainly. I mean, seeing charts of family members and how they are all connected with each other. Uh, if that's answering your question, I want to make sure I'm understanding the question. No, I think I think it does. So there, there's it's just a different way of looking at at the astrology is is by you know either it's a person or it's a events as a whole, the world as a whole. But how do you do that yeah. if if you don't have like a, a birthday or a time of place or whatever? Uh, that's just curious to me. Yeah, it is. And now I know you know I know. If- uh, I know a gentleman, an Indian astrologer, who at a conference in, let's see, that would have been, the conference would have been May or June of 2001, this Indian astrologer said, you know, something, uh, some, given the timing of things and the chart for the United States, he predicted, publicly predicted at this conference that there would be some uh, very adverse event in the United States, um, you know, in the coming year. And he he based this prediction on, um, well, among other things, the transit of Saturn and some traditional uh, knowledge that comes with that particular transit of Saturn. But he specifically, he had seen the United States start, and he made that prediction. And of course, <clears throat> 9-11 happened a few months later. Mm. So he, he, and that's an example of, of Monday in astrology, looking at a chart for uh, a specific time in the year for the capital of the country and then being able to assess what might happen uh, from a general way to a more specific way, what might happen in that country as as that year uh, moves along. Now, you know, connected to this, which is very fascinating to me, um, there was an eclipse, a significant eclipse last August uh, that was a, a full um, solar eclipse in the United States. And that, uh, and there, there was lots of discussion about the eclipse and what the meaning of things would be. But the eclipse occurred in the sign of Leo, which is the sign of royalty, the sign of authority, uh, the sign of rulership. You know, not even necessarily democratically elected leadership, but more uh, the kind of leadership where, you know, someone just asserts themselves and takes over. And the eclipse occurred in that sign, and there was a fair amount of discussion, and some astrologers in these discussions were saying that what is likely to happen uh, after this eclipse that took place is some kind of fall, some kind of uh, reckoning mm. for, uh, for those in authority, for those in rulership, those in leadership. And what happened pretty immediately after that, what we saw, I mean, it's 
been in government, but it's been the whole, um, you know, the Harvey Weinstein phenomenon. All of these men who, in a kind of a, let's say, a magisterial or an authoritative way, had 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 their way with other people, especially, especially with women, uh, for decades and decades, you know, been able to just get away with lots of bad behavior. All of a sudden, there's been this reckoning. And there, there are astrologers who link that back to the eclipse. In mm-hmm. other words, the, 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 um, the fall, the, the kind of, um, the point of reckoning for people who, uh, ha- had, let's say, taken on a lot of authority that maybe was not, uh, democratically conferred to them. Mm. So, uh, interestingly enough, that is one of the themes that, uh, and it, you can go back and read articles and read, different websites and magazine articles, you know, thinking what might happen when this eclipse occurs and what follows the eclipse. And and in some cases, it's quite accurate. I watched a um, documentary called Wake Up, Jonas Elrod put out. And Uh the, the premise of the documentary was about him experiencing some pretty fantastical things and trying to figure out whether or not he was going crazy. But in the process of that, he went on this worldwide journey to try and get some answers about what happens in the ether side of things. And he ended up in one part of the movie or the documentary um, at a seismograph, uh, a place that actually studies the Earth's, uh, the vibrations that happen, the, the stuff that predicts earthquakes, right? Um, seism- oh, yeah, yeah. A seismograph uh, lab. And the, the scientists there showed him that the night, a few hours before the 9-11 event, which happened, what, 6 a.m. in New York? It was early morning, around, right? Around 9, 9, 9 a.m. The morning, yeah. 9 a.m. Sorry, I was in Seattle. That's right. That's why I think it's 6 yeah, a.m. Right. That's and, right. It was 6 or Yeah, for me. Yeah, but that a few hours prior, around 4 a.m., there were these massive, as if the earth was shuddering, and it was all over because oh. they had these seismograph locales all over the planet. And, yeah. and the scientists showed them, showed Jonas that, you know, around 4 a.m., like the whole planet contracted as if yeah, bra- that bracing is, that for is an so event. Yeah, so fascinating. I mean, it's really, uh, it's really an interesting thing to consider. Yeah. Uh, there are also, I mean, and I didn't investigate this too much, but I've heard about it, but there were lots and lots and lots of... Uh, dreams that were discussed, people mm-hmm. sharing dreams that they had leading up to 9-11 and, and, um, and the unusual nature of these dreams and then uh, discussion afterwards, obviously, of, gosh, I thought the dream meant one thing, but obviously, given the event that I was really dreaming about, look at, look at uh, mm-hmm. what happened. Or little kids begging their parents not to go to work that day, or... Sure. I, and then the day before, I was at the grocery store in Seattle, and I was buying a yogurt and a tomato and a bottle of water, and I was having my little snack and uh, an apple, and um, the tomatoes weren't for my snack. That was for later. But um, And I was wearing shorts and a tank top. It was a nice day in Seattle. And I remember walking to my car from the—I was at the Ballard Market, and I was walking to my car in the parking lot, and the next day— um, was 9-11, so it was the day before. So I'm walking to my car, and later in that afternoon, I was supposed to go have coffee with a photographer friend of mine who just got back from the Gaza Strip. So all these thoughts were on my, in my mind about, oh my gosh, what must have been that been like to be in the Gaza Strip and bombs are falling all the time and it's total chaos. And here I am in my tank top and my shorts, walking to my car, carrying a bottle of water and an apple and yogurt. I mean, these totally sublime foods that are completely unnecessary you know what i mean and i mean water water is necessary but bottled water isn't necessary so and i'm thinking to myself what a luxury it is to be in america but i feel and i remember so specifically having this thought it's it's a mythology i was like we're not as safe as we think we are and this whole thing played out in my head and then and then that night i'm a very vivid dreamer and that night, I had zero dreams. I dreamt the, the nothing. There was zero, it was weird. It was like this deep, deep sleep. 
And my roommate came into my room when it, the first plane hit, you know, she woke me up and stuff. And then all that stuff transpired. But just the conversation that I had, you know, and it was in my brain about how we're not safe and it's all an illusion. And then that happens. It's just weird. It tells me to me that says all these things are already happening. And there's... Uh, yeah, certainly that, that we are, we're all connected at a deeper level the the whole Jungian concept, I guess, of what is called transpersonal consciousness, the idea that at a deeper level of consciousness, there is a very, very intimate way that all of humanity is connected, that we have much more similarity than we have differences from each other, mm. and that there are ways to that there are ways to know these things. I mean, astrology is just one of those means. I mean, there are any number of ways of, if a person is really attuned to, let's say, nature and consciousness, if they're really connected, there are ways of knowing what might be coming up, what might be in store. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it is, it is very, very interesting. Do you have a favorite Vedic deity? Well, I mean, Vedic astrology does honor uh, Ganesh quite a bit because he is said to um, he is said to be the um, the deity who is who has he's he is the one deity who has the ability to uh, transcend time. His patience is legendary, and he uh, has the ability to remove obstacles. And he is said to be the deity that is connected to uh, Vedic astrology. And and in many homes, when you go into homes in India, you will see some um, representation of Ganesh. Now, also, though, there are other deities. uh, Saraswati is considered very important because she is the goddess of music and learning. Mm. And... uh, and just the 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 honoring of of knowledge in any way, and so that's I mean I'm a person who's been very very committed to learning throughout my life. I'm in my sixties at this point, but I'm still very very active with the educational process around astrology and always trying to learn more and always trying to you know every reading is. Uh, every astrology reading, uh, there is some way that I learn something about that person and how they connect to their own astrology chart. Mm -hmm. So you get deities like, um, yes, like uh, Ganesh and then Saraswati. And then, of course, you have the three deities connected with the energies around existence, uh, Shiva, Brahma, and Vishnu. And, you know, they each have their assigned qualities. It's, it, as far as a favorite, I mean, I, I suppose Ganesh would be right up there with the rest, but I uh, I try in any astrological reading to maybe help a person make a connection with a, any kind of energy or any kind of representation of that entity and any impulse of creative intelligence that might, um, you know, that might uh, benefit them. Yeah. I mean, the planets are all represented by these same kinds of energies. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the energy around Mars is different from the energy around Venus. Mm-hmm. The energies around Saturn are different from Jupiter. Uh, and But we all have all of them in our charts, and it just depends on how they might manifest that energy. You know, a high level, uh, let's say an elevated kind of Mars could be someone who is very uh, protective, um, maybe physically active, taking very good care of the body, knowing how to inspire people to be physically concerned for their well-being, uh, you know, like an exalted kind of yoga teacher. Mm. A low level of Mars might be exactly the opposite and could be somebody who is aggressive in the worst kinds of ways, mm-hmm. you know, use of weapons or something. So... Yeah, there, there, uh, there are. There's a wide variety of deities, and l- let's say impulses of creative intelligence that get expressed through Vedic mythology and Vedic, Vedic astrology. And it is important when I'm looking at a chart to be able to know, you know, which kinds of energies, let's say, can be uh, propitiated to help the person express themselves in the world 
to their best advantage and to other people's best advantage. Mm-hmm. So when something, <clears throat> excuse me, happens, whether it be for the greater good of the world and or something tragic, for example, the Parkland shooting, do you then go and look at that child that perpetrated that, the crew's, his, uh, his chart, and then it helps you learn sort of what certain things mean? Or do you see it and say, ah, there it is. There's that moment. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's an interesting question. It's a delicate question. And I, and I, I think, you know, I will say in some cases I will do that. I did see the chart of the guy that shot all the people in Las Vegas. Mm. That chart became available. His Somebody got, somehow got, uh, got a hold, of, his name was Stephen Haddock, I think. But somebody did get a hold of his, um, his birth data. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you know, there's a, it's a delicate balance because in some ways it's the last thing I want to be looking at to see how horrible um, the outcome of this chart might be. Mm. And so I took a quick look. I didn't really study it, but I took a fast look. And certainly there was one very uh, deadly, I would have to say, um, there is a part of the Zodiac that can... Um, that can give experiences of death or maybe even fascination with death uh, that um, that this guy had in his chart. And beyond that, I didn't feel like I wanted to study it anymore. I mean, sometimes it takes a little bit of time and distance, you know, to get away from something tragic because this is so much of a in-your-face kind of issue these days that... Mm. Um, and of course, I have kids and lots of family members, and so it, it becomes a little more personal. And like, do I want to really look at this? Um, at the same time, yeah, I mean, maybe we're enough removed from uh, somebody like Hitler where we can be a little bit detached and study the chart and say, "Oh, no wonder, <laughs> you know, this place the way that it did." Mm-hmm. But we always do try to balance that out, and in astrology, we are trained to really study the charts of saints and uh, and, and people who live a saintly kind of existence. And so there is definitely some relief when you, let's say you pick up the chart of, um, well, there was an Italian saint in the, actually in the 20th century, his name was Padre Pio, whose chart is available, or then you have people like Vivekananda and Ramakrishna, Maharishi. I mean, you have people like that whose charts are available. So in a way, I guess both extremes, <laughs> we know from living on the planet with all these other people that humanity is capable of the most extreme kind of behavior in either way, and it, mm-hmm. it is important to to be able to understand that. Now, I do I ever encounter like a, a modern-day Hitler in a chart? I mean, I've had some cases of people, let's say, who were married to somebody or in a relationship with somebody, and they'll give me the chart of the husband or wife and say, this this is the worst person on the planet. And and so you counsel them and you say, yeah, it's probably a good person to get away from, but are they going to go out and, you know, commit mass murder? I don't know. But but it is good, I guess, on a, for just for the level of the knowledge, it is good to understand the extremes that people are capable of and how that might manifest in the astrology chart. Yeah, it's fascinating. Absolutely. Michael, yeah. how, how might people find you? Uh, well, the simplest way, I mean, I do have a website, and um, it's not my name, it's my initials, M-A-S-J-O-T-I-S-H dot com. But the simplest way, if that's at all complicated, is for people to just Google my name and astrology and uh my name Michael Sugarman and then astrology or Vedic astrology VEDIC astrology and uh, you'll come up with my uh website that way so yeah and that's I'll, how find me. I'll put links on heyhumanpodcast.com on the links page oh, great, as well thank you. yeah yeah that's wonderful absolutely so tell me a little bit about the podcast though how 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 is it um manifested out in the world uh well you mean how do i get people to know about it 
Yeah, how do you get people to know or listen, or do you, how do you get connected to the people that listen to it? I mean, is that something that's part of it? Well, um, as far as getting it out in the world, I use social media, and I, you know, I hear a lot that people share it with other people, which is wonderful, um, and so I think that helps. People probably find it randomly, maybe on iTunes, and it, it has, so far, really great reviews, so maybe that gets people interested. Um Oh, so it's on iTunes. It's on iTunes. It's on all the podcast places, all the apps on the various kinds of phones, and it has. Its oh, own, great! Yeah, and of course, it has HeyHumanPodcast.com, and and I um I'm starting to do live podcasts out and about in the world, which is very exciting. Oh, very impressive! Yeah, in my own little <laughs> world here, and don't pay attention to um, a lot of what uh, is out there, but something like this, and certainly because you're connected to my daughter Cora. Um, this is something that I'll, I'll I'll definitely want to know more about and uh, pay attention to. And Thanks. It would be interesting to see um, what kind of response there is. I mean, like I said, most of what I get is word of mouth, but I'm always, I'm always willing and curious to find other ways to connect with people and, um, and um, see what leads to what, you know. I, I love it. It's, I mean, you know I'm a musician and a songwriter and a performer yeah, and all that, but... This feeds a part of me that, like no other thing, it's just, I love, I love it so much. I love tr- connecting the world to itself and being a part yeah, of it. Yeah, that's a very beautiful thing. I mean, uh, uh, your chart, obviously, your astrology chart is a chart of somebody who, who does engage in the transmission of knowledge and information, mm-hmm. and there are some really good reasons for that, and so it's 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 something that ideally should grow and kind of have its own momentum and, and just develop on its own as time goes by. Yeah, I hope so. I It's really important to me. It's given me, I mean, I learned so much from other people, but it's just, I love listening to people's stories. It's incredible. Yeah, that's the one of the greatest gifts of astrology is that, I mean, there are things in almost every astrology reading, people give little details or little episodes or little events of their life and maybe you can see the general outline of that in the chart but getting them to fill in the details and the exact uh, way that things unfolded and and happened in their life that is what is so fascinating Mm, mm -hmm. absolutely you know just is my sort of curiosity and respect for the whole science of astrology as well as uh, the mystery of every person's life. Yeah, and I think, I mean, in every conversation I have, even if it's with people that I don't align with spiritually or intellectually or, you know, religiously or whatever it is, or doctrine, you know, there's some people I've talked to completely have a different worldview than I do, but I see myself, sure. I can see myself in little moments in that person because the bottom line is, like you said, we are all connected by this force, you know, this thing. Yeah, so it's really lovely. Yeah. Michael, thank you yeah. so very much for being on the show. I so appreciate yeah. it. It's fascinating. Well, I, the gratitude is all mine as well, and I, I do appreciate it very much. I hope we'll stay in touch, and, um, you know, thanks for this opportunity. And um, I'll, I'll definitely follow the podcast and see... You know, see what I can learn from it because it sounds very illuminating. <laughs> Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye, everybody. Yeah, you too, Susan. Yeah, take care. Thanks again. Yes, absolutely. Bye.